Welcome to another episode of the Top Podcast, Truth Over Popularity. I'm your host, Brad Odeman Jr. The world we live in has numerous opinions of what truth is. I'm here to shine light on absolute truth regardless of its popularity. This podcast will focus on topics surrounding the Bible, how our current political climate is directly tied to Bible prophecy, along with a few other passions of mine, health, fitness, and an occasional golf conversation. If any of these topics interest you or could benefit someone you know, please be sure to subscribe, leave a five-star review, and share with a friend or family member. I hope this podcast adds value and perspective to your life. Let's dive in. Have you ever wondered why there are so many different Christian denominations? It seems that there's a church on every single corner. Is there a correct church to attend? Or since they all believe in Jesus and they all call themselves under the, they would all refer to themselves under the Christian umbrella, are you, are you okay? I want to dive into, does your denomination matter today? And this is a very important topic. One of the most important topics I've talked about thus far. In the book of Matthew, chapter 7, Jesus says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name, drive out demons and perform many miracles. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So we see here, Jesus is saying in the last days, there are going to be people who claim to be Christians. These folks he is referencing are Christian individuals. They believe in Jesus. They did many mighty miracles in his name. Why would he say, depart from me? I never knew you. I want to dive into that deeper today and kind of go through why there are so many different Christian denominations. How are we to know who has the truth? Our eternal soul depends on it. There is only one truth in the word of God. There is an absolute truth in the word of God. And it's our job to study, to show ourselves approved and be able to understand what that is. This is truly a heaven or hell issue. It's serious, serious, serious business. I Google searched, why are there so many Christian denominations? And these are some quotes from the article. The Lutheran denomination was named after Martin Luther and was based on his teachings. I stopped right there and thought to myself, this is based off of a man's interpretation. I'll continue on. The Methodists got their name because their founder, John Wesley, was famous for coming up with methods for spiritual growth. Again, another man, another human adding his own ideologies onto a, or adding to the Bible and thus creating a religion. Presbyterians are named for their view on church leadership. The Greek word for elder is presbyterios. Baptists got their name because they have always emphasized the importance of believers' baptism. Each each denomination has a slightly different doctrine or emphasize 
from the other, such as the method of baptism, the availability of the Lord's Supper to all, or just to those whose testimonies can be verified by church leaders, the sovereignty of God versus free will in the matter of salvation, the future of Israel and the church, pre-trib versus post-trib rapture, the existence of the quote-unquote sign gifts in the modern area, and so on. The point of these divisions is never Christ as Lord and Savior, but rather honest differences of opinion by godly, albeit flawed people, seeking to honor God and retain doctrinal purity according to their conscience and their understanding of his word. End quote. Another quote from the article said this, Denominations are based on disagreements over the interpretation of Scripture. An example would be the meaning and purpose of baptism. Is baptism a requirement for salvation, or is it symbolic of the salvation process? There are denominations on both sides of this issue. In fact, baptism, its meaning, its mode, who can receive it, etc., has been a central issue in the separation of churches and forming of new denominations. These are important things. These seem to be very important issues that we really don't dive into as the Christian world as a whole. The Christian world as a whole, we we like to attend service and we trust our pastors, we trust our leadership, and we go home we aren't super involved in our churches. We don't spend time studying the Word of God. We don't seek the face of God. We're not praying on a daily basis. We're not truly trying to study the Word so we know it for ourselves. And I've been there. I've been there, so I know what that's like. Thankfully, I was in a church that preached the the word of God without fear or favor. So I wanted to bring up some churches' websites that most of you would know. Some very mainstream, popular, as many would call it, churches. You've all heard of these churches before, or at least their pastors. Life Church. So I, I went on Life Church with Craig Rochelle. I went to their salvation page, or basically what it means to be saved. If, if you attend Life Church, what they think that means. It said this, We can never make up for our sin by self-improvement or good works, only by trusting in Jesus Christ as God's offer of forgiveness can anyone be saved from sin's penalty. When we turn from our self-ruled life and turn to Jesus in faith, we are saved. Eternal life begins the moment one receives Jesus Christ into his life by faith. So no mention of baptism, no mention of a spiritual experience, just as soon as you believe, you're saved. I went to Elevation Church, and this is what their salvation page said. The blood of Jesus Christ shed on the cross provides the only way of salvation through the forgiveness of sins. Salvation occurs when people place their faith in the death and resurrection of Christ as sufficient payment for their sin. Salvation is a gift from God, and it cannot be earned through our own efforts. 
I went to the Foursquare Church. There are many churches that are under that umbrella, but their belief system is that baptism is important, not absolutely essential, but they believe it's a an, an inward step or an outward step for an inward inward lifestyle change. Uh, so you see all these differences, and, and there's many, many more I could have I could have grabbed. But for the sake of time, I just wanted to grab a couple that many of you would know. And a lot of these are, as I would say, easy believism type doctrines, where as soon as you believe, as soon as you quote unquote accept Jesus into your life, you are saved. And so it got me thinking about what I believe and how the devil knows the scriptures and he knows where the power is. He knows where salvation comes in. And it's his job to deceive mankind. It's his job to twist the scriptures, to have private interpretations become popular, and people create full-on movements from them. Am I the only one that finds it odd that the underlying difference between a lot of these denominations is, quote-unquote, how to be saved or obtain salvation? That's that's really where you find the difference. We don't differ on if the flood happened, if Moses parted the Red Sea, if Daniel in the lion's den really happened. We don't we believe all that. But we differ on the most important thing, and that's how to be born again, how to enter into the kingdom of God. John chapter 3, Jesus is talking to a man named Nicodemus. And Nicodemus is asking him or, G- or Jesus says, Nicodemus, you must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus, in chapter 3, verse 4, says this, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his, mo- into his mother's womb and be born? So he, he's confused. He's, Jesus says you have to be born again, and he, he, he takes it literally. Hey, well, I've already been born. How can I possibly go back into my mother's womb and be born again? I'm going to pause here quickly. There is this idea that since Jesus says that you must be born of the water and the spirit, a massive amount of people believe that that water right there is you being born, like the water breaking from your mother. It's a very interesting take on that. Uh, That is just not, it's not scriptural. It's not scripturally accurate. I want to make sure everything I believe, everything I say aligns with the Word of God perfectly. Perfectly. I don't want to leave it to my private interpretation. I want to know exactly what the Word of God says. So going on, he says, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered right here, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the Spirit, He cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. So right here, we should all stop and want to know exactly what that means. How do I become born again? How do I be born again? That should be our number one concern because 
Jesus said, without that, without being born of the water and the spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. You cannot go to heaven. And so we can't have all these different opinions of what being born again means. There is one way. The Bible is not written to be a confusing book. What has happened is man has stepped in and created its own ideologies and own interpretations. The devil is a mastermind and knows the Bible, like I mentioned. He knows where the power is. He knows how we are saved. What better way than to still let people go to church, sit on pews, have you know a somewhat spiritual experience, no question, but stir the pot and get people to believe that they are saved when they're really not. I'm going to read some more scripture here because after all, I, I want everything I say to come directly from the word of God. John 4, 23 through 24. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in in truth. That truth is repeated over and over again because it is so vital that we know the truth. There is one truth. There is one truth. John 12 verse 48 says, he who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. We are going to be judged in the last day. We're all going to stand before the Lord and be judged based on the word that is in the word of God. John 1 verse 14, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. There's that truth word again. John 1 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. John 17 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Many claim to have the truth. But the only tr truth is found in the word. The only truth is found in the word of God. I want to jump down to another passage of scripture toward the end of your Bible in Revelation chapter 20, verse 12 through 15. It says, And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Folks, this is real. This is so real. This is, this is heaven or hell. But is the church that you're attending, are they preaching the truth of the word of God? The word is going to judge us in the last day. We cannot rely on opinion, on the opinion of men, popularity of culture, or emotions to guide us. We must rely on the word and have an adequate understanding of the Bible there's another word that is a hot button issue in our 
culture right now, and it's this word doctrine. We really don't like to talk about, about doctrine much. And it always made me scratch my head. Doctrine is absolutely imperative. It is imperative that we know the doctrine. That is how we're saved. Paul says in Titus 1.9, he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. There were people back in the apostles' days, just a few years after Jesus had ascended into heaven, that were already twisting the word of God, that were already taking the words of Jesus and twisting them to fit their own narrative and were being preached as new doctrine. Folks, we have to cling to doctrine. We have to cling to the truth. I am willing to die for this doctrine. I am willing to die for this truth. I do not want to be one of those people that Jesus mentions in Matthew chapter 7, saying, depart from me. I, I never knew you. Yes, you, you believed in me. Yes, you did mighty works in my name, but I never, I never knew you. Jesus is distinctively drawing a line, saying that, yes, these people over here believed in me, but I'm going to say, depart from me. How do I get on the other side of that? What else is he alluding to? What else must be done? Those people that he's talking about are people that did not hold tight to doctrine. We must hold doctrine close to our chest. And the Bible warns of these deceitful doctrines and ideologies many, many times throughout Scripture. I'm only going to read a couple. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. This word is should not be left up to private interpretation. I don't care how popular somebody is. I don't care how big the church is. I don't care. It doesn't matter. With all due respect to my bishop, who's an incredible man of God, I cannot take what he says and run to the bank. I got to know for myself. Because there may be a time coming where I'm going to have to stand and say, you know what? I'm not bowing down to this culture. I'm not bowing down to this one world government, this, this one world ideology, this one world religion that is absolutely coming and it's knocking on our doorstep. So there may be a time where my pastor can't stand in the gap for me. I'm going to have to, I'm going to, have to know this truth for myself and be willing to die for it. Second Peter chapter 3, 15 through 18 says this, and consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. And also our beloved brother Paul, according to his wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do also the rest of the scriptures." 
You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the air of the wicked. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to go to another passage of Scripture. 2 Timothy 2, 15-16 says this, be, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We've seen over and over again as we read through the Bible that it constantly is reminding us of the truth, the truth, rightly dividing the truth. There is a right way and a wrong way clearly to divide this truth. He's reminding us over and over and over again our souls depend on rightly dividing the word of God. But shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness, and their message will spread like cancer. Hymnius and Philutus are of this sort, who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past and they overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and that everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. It always blew my mind how these people were just with Jesus. These people just saw the many mighty miracles that the Lord did, and they're already turning away. They're already saying that, Jesus didn't raise from the dead, already discrediting incredible things that had happened just a few years prior. These people that are teaching them walked with Jesus. How much more in our day do we need to walk according to the word? We need to know these scriptures like the back of our hands. We need to know these doctrinal scriptures. We need to know how to be born again according to to the word of God. And I will have podcasts in the future that talk about this because it's just too important not to. We must use scripture to interpret scripture. We can be led astray if we follow our own ideologies and context is absolutely everything in the Bible. We cannot read one scripture and write home about it and create doctrine off of one scripture. There is not one scripture in the Bible that you can create doctrine over. There are many scriptures that you have to take surrounding one topic and make sure, make absolute sure that your doctrine is sound, that the church that you're attending has sound doctrine. I don't care if your mom attends it, your brother, sister, cousins, family, your best friends, folks, it's, it's too important. The devil would love nothing more than to distract you. He would love for you to attend a church that is not biblically accurate. 2 Timothy chapter 3, 12 through 16 in the NLT says this, Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, but evil people and imposters will flourish. They will deceive others and will themselves be deceived but you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. 
You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All Scripture, all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach, to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Matthew chapter 7 Verse 13 through 14 in the NLT says this, You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever will find it. It is imperative for our own salvation that we know the truth of how to be born again, and how to enter the kingdom of God. I want to read a couple more scriptures as I'm wrapping up. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 14. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. The devil transforms himself into an angel of light. You may think you're going the right direction. You may think you're at the right church. The devil disguises himself as truth. It's our job to know when he's being the imposter. It's our job to know when he's deceiving us. Second Corinthians, again, 4, verse 4 whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe lest the light of the gospel, of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ, the Lord and ourselves, your bondservants, for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. I read a few more scriptures there. But the devil has blinded the eyes and the minds of people in this age, in this hour. There is coming a day not very far off that a, a one-world government and a one-world religion is going to be the face of our world. This one-world religious leader is going to be led by the false prophet, which will be the Pope at the time that the Antichrist is revealed, and I will prove that in a later podcast. It is black and white in your Bible. But the Bible warns of this religion and tells us that we must not partake in her abominations, meaning the abominations of this one world religion. It's no secret that this one world religion is making allowances for other religions. The Pope met with the leader of the Muslim world. I'm drawing a blank on exactly when it was. But they basically were able to sacrifice some of their major doctrines so that those two religions could come together. I don't know about you, but I'm not willing to sacrifice my doctrine for anything. I'm willing to go to the stakes with this truth because I know what God has shown me. I'm very blessed and grateful to have been born in this truth. 
But it is absolutely vital that we understand the Word of God. I want to read one more passage of Scripture here. Revelation 18, verse 1 through 6, talking about the fall of Babylon. There are many different interpretations of what Babylon is. It is very clear that this is a great city, the city of Rome, and representing the one world religion. After these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, and lest you receive of her plagues. For her sins have reached to heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Render to her just as she rendered to you, and repay her double according to her works in the cup which she has mixed. Mix double for her. We cannot be a part of this one world religion in the end times. If you've watched the news, if you are paying attention even a little bit, you understand that this one world government is being formed as we speak, this one world religion. They're trying to bring everybody together under one umbrella. This is not the way that the Lord would have it. This is not God's way. This is man's way. Man is trying to rule itself. And we know what happens when man tries to rule itself. It's imperative that we understand what will separate us from this one world religion. Our eternal soul depends on it. There is a heaven, there is a hell, and this is an absolute critical time in history. I believe with all my heart that if I live a normal life by the grace of God, that I will see the second coming of Jesus. And I want to be able to stand before him and him to say to me, well done, thy good and faithful servant. I will implore you today to take a second look, take a third look at what it means to be born again, what it means to have that blood applied to your life. It doesn't matter what any popular pastor might say. It doesn't matter what some politician might say actor, athlete, you name it. A lot of people claim to be quote-unquote Christians. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of The Top Podcast. I pray this podcast blessed and impacted your life. We would greatly appreciate it if you subscribed, left a five-star review, and shared with a friend or family member so we can spread hope in a lost world. Join me next week as we discuss another topic that emphasizes truth over popularity. God bless.